anybody that knows anything will tell you a well-maintained vehicle is a key component to winning any race. If your ride ain't ready to go, you ain't going. Simple as that. You got to get under that hood. Get some dirt under your nails and make sure that dude's pumped, primed, and ready for action. Small problems can turn into big crashes. So even the most routine seeming repair, the most mundane sounding maintenance, it's all important. If you want to be at your best, then your ride has to be too. Take the time to get it right so when it counts, you're ready to rock. Well, hey, Heritage, I want to welcome all of you across our network to week three of Off to the Races, a journey where we're just looking at how we position ourselves to win at work, at home, and in relationship. And it's this fall season in particular that makes this a timely conversation because the fall is the beginning of a new lap for many of us with new responsibilities, new commitments, new opportunities. And this conversation is positioning us to navigate what often feels like a racing around season. We want to position ourselves to know how to manage that because every lap counts. In fact, when we started the conversation, we began to look at how we make every lap count. Now, often when you look at racing, especially like NASCAR, it looks like just people going around in circles as fast as they can, just fruitlessly and pointlessly. And sometimes it can feel like we're doing that in life. We're just going around as fast as we can, trying to keep up, just stay in the race. But there's actually more to life and more to racing than that. And so we're trying to figure out how we make every lap count. We're also looking at how we can be first to the line. We want to finish well. We want to get to the line. We want to make sure we're racing toward the proper finish line. And if you missed either of those first two conversations, I encourage you to go to heritageqc.com. And under the media tab, you can find both of those messages. I encourage you to check them out. But this weekend, we're shifting gears to position ourselves to get under the hood, to really look at our source of power. Because a well-maintained vehicle is a key component to winning a race. But again, I want to remind you that you don't have to like racing or be into racing to get or benefit from this conversation. Racing is simply one of many metaphors that we find in Scripture that help us understand how to live life to the full. Really, how to make every lap count and, and be first to the line and, and get under the hood. There's a guy that's in scripture who for much of his life didn't do any one of these. He didn't make every lap count. He was running towards the wrong finish line and, and he didn't spend enough time under the hood of his life. But after he encountered Jesus, man, that all changed. And he began to make every lap count and he was running toward the right finish line and he not only got under the hood in his own life, but he helped tons of other people get under the hood of their lives. His name was Paul and he was a missionary and church planter but here's what he wrote in a letter to the church in Rome. Here, here's what he said in Romans chapter 12. He said, never be lacking in zeal. Now, zeal is energy and enthusiasm for a cause. Never be lacking in energy and enthusiasm for a cause. But keep your spiritual fervor. Keep your passion and your intensity serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. See, whether you're someone who is adding more to your life right now or whether you're pouring yourself out in service of other people, life can be exhausting. 
It can feel like a never-ending cycle. And we can give everything we have and still have people want more. There, there are a lot of things and people in life who will take everything we have to give, and we get to the end, they will ask for even more. And that's a hard place to be in. But zeal and spiritual fervor allow us to navigate that. But to make the most of every lap, to make every lap count, and, and to be first in line actually requires us to understand a few things. One of which is that busy doesn't mean better. This is your first fill-in. If you're using your note guide today, I encourage you to use that if you want to. Busy doesn't mean better. Being busy doesn't inherently mean being productive. Busy doesn't mean better. Busy means faster. <laughs> busy means faster. Busy doesn't always mean better, but it always means faster. And so we need to get under the hood of our lives and our relationships to be able to understand how we navigate the speed and pressure of life. If we don't do that, we'll end up in a space where we blow out our engine, so to speak. It's one of the reasons we've been talking about being more intentional in this series. In the first couple of weeks, we've been really speaking towards striving to make every lap count, getting to the line, and much of that is very forward, very, very, uh, yeah, just kind of chasing forward. And I want to be careful that you don't hear that as adding pressure to life. There's enough pressure already. Pressure is already there. Busyness is already there. It's about being intentional. We're not trying to about, talking about performing. We're not talking about being perfect. We're talking about being intentional. So it's not about perfection. It's about our intention. It's about the ability to navigate the details and nuances, nuances of every lap in God's power and his strength so we make the most of every opportunity. And being busy doesn't always mean better, but being busy always means faster. And in racing, faster is better. You, you want to go fast in racing. But the key to being the fastest person on the track isn't about being all throttle all the time. It's not all power all the time. The fastest way around the track is a combination of accelerating and braking. Think about it with me. I was having this conversation with a friend of mine named Mike, and we were talking about the most efficient, most effective way around a track is a combination of braking and accelerating. You need both. If you just engage in a race where you're just all throttle, all acceleration, going as fast as you can, what happens as you go around the track? You slide out in the corner. You don't make the corner. You end up in the wall. If by chance you can navigate the corner because of the bank or the, the nature of your vehicle, you can, if you can get around the corner at full throttle, you're still not going to get very far because running full throttle, all gas, redlining, it's only a matter of time until your engine blows out. The fastest, most efficient way around a track is a combination of braking and accelerating. If we brake all the time, that's problematic as well. Accelerating all the time is just as problematic. The most efficient and most effective way, the fastest way around the track is a combination of braking and accelerating. So it's about managing speed and pressure. It's about knowing when to speed up and when to slow down. It's true on the racetrack, but it's also true in life, how we live. If we're running all gas all the time, full throttle, it's only a matter of time till we blow out or end up into the wall. If we're riding the brake the whole time, again, that's also problematic. We're out of the race. It's a combination of braking and accelerating. Instead, what we should be doing is what Paul said, is to, to never be lacking in zeal. Don't lose your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. It's braking and accelerating, knowing how to navigate that. 
in order to do that, we got to get under the hood. We have to understand the source of power. Because busyness doesn't always mean better. Busyness always means faster. And here's something else about busyness. When, when we're busy, many of us, if we're willing to admit it, we get grumpy. <laughs> How many here? Raise your hand. Bentendorf. If you, you get busy, you get grumpy. Come on. Put them up there. It's okay. Some of you are getting the elbow to put your hands up. All right? Yes, busy, we get grumpy, we get irritable. And, and then actually what happens, we can actually get frustrated with God for the speed and pressure that we're dealing with in life. And then we choose to disengage from him as a source of power and find relief somewhere else. We take control in our own lives, we begin to depend on ourselves and, and look elsewhere for what he should be providing for us, and then we make everything worse. It gets all the more complicated. But we're not the only people to do that. The people of God in the Old Testament, the Israelites, they did that over and over again. But in one particular season where they're in that struggle, God speaks to them through the prophet Isaiah. And here's what he says. This is Isaiah chapter 40. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know... Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. In his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. He's declaring the reality that God is a source of power in the busyness. He's a source of power in the, in the speed and intensity of life. If we will let him. If we will let him. And quite honestly, many of us are in a season of life where life is fast and it's only getting faster. Our culture and technology is changing the way we communicate globally. And we can have information access in seconds from around the world, and it's increasing the speed of how we relate and what we understand and know. And it's fast, and it's only getting faster for us. But being busy is not the same as being productive. And we actually may be managing more than ever before, but doing more isn't always better. It doesn't even always make us better. Doing more means busy. Doing more doesn't always make us better, it just increases intensity. And it means we will live with more speed, and that means more heat. Some of you may know that in a, in a NASCAR race, uh, the stock car that they use in that has an average horsepower of 850. 850 horsepower, that's a lot of horsepower. It allows them to maintain high speeds. In fact, in some tracks, they can maintain an average speed of 200 miles per hour for the whole entire race. That's fast. That's intense. And the ability to maintain that speed for that long requires multiple tires. They burn through tires. In fact, in any given race weekend, they'll burn through 55 tires per car. And they have a seven-person crew that helps them navigate all that complexity. Yet in any given race, there's an owner, there's a sponsor, there's, there's a crew, there's a driver, and there's a car. And it's the capacity of the driver and the capacity of the car that actually matter most. In fact, let's just take a field trip for a moment. Let's go on a walk. And with the help of technology, we're able to do this, to just move the conversation that we're having from this location to another. We're going to take this conversation outside. Because NASCAR is actually considered to be one of the harder sports. It was in a USA Today article titled, 
10 hardest things to do in sports, that NASCAR was identified as number two. Uh, race car driving is number two, that a driver faces a lots of different complexities, but as a skilled driver, they navigate those. But one in particular is that as they round corners, they're facing forces of pressure that are equivalent to a 300-pound lineman pressing against them for three of the four hours of their race. That requires some work. That's some intensity. Beyond that, riders can, drivers can lose anywhere between 10 to 15 pounds of body mass in the heat, stress, and intensity of the race. There's a lot of heat, there's a lot of stress, there's a lot of worry, and they may be able to drink to recover about half of that, but they can't recover at all. So you may think drivers are just sitting down going in circles, but the reality is there's a lot more going on in that space, and they have to work hard. And despite the actual demand they face, well, it's the capacity of the driver and the capacity of the car that matters most. So you can have a great driver but a not-so-great car, and you don't end up with the same results that you really want. You may have a great car but not a great driver. You still don't end up with the results you want. It's the combination of the capacity of the driver and the car that matters most. And when it comes to the vehicle, well, the vehicle, it's an extension of the driver. From aerodynamics, to the tires, to the fuel mix, to the cooling system, all of that plays a part. But as the heart is to the body, so the engine is to the car. And what matters most is under the hood. It's the source of power that determines what's possible. You can have a great looking car, you can have a great driver, you can even have awesome sponsors, and the sponsors on the windshield happen to be my favorite. I love those people but it's what's under the hood that matters most. And in this particular case, there's absolutely nothing. There's nothing under the hood of this car, and you may be surprised, you may be disappointed, but it's a display. And it's okay that it doesn't have an engine. It's just a display. But I also know enough heritage people that if we had an engine in this, some of you would be out here driving it like you stole it, doing laps in the parking lot. I know. But it's just a display. It doesn't have an engine. And it's not a problem. However, Having the wrong engine in life, having no engine at all, that's a big deal. And so we're taking time to talk about what's under the hood, understand our source of power. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to hear from about sponsors in a hilarious look at every post-race interview ever. Check it out. of a race right there. Tony got up into Dale on turn four. We ended up going three wide to the finish line. Obviously, everybody out with the Chevy racing team has been great. We had a great car all week. And he gave us a lane on the restart. We got up under him on turn three. Keselowski ended up in the wall, but we took advantage on the restart. He told us to pit under caution. I said, we need two tires. Just the track bar. Logano was right there. Joey had a fast car. Bobby was there. Dylan was there. Truex. I couldn't get around the 27 car. I got up into the 49 car. Valvoline, Duracell, Cobalt, 
craftsman. I came around four under those tires sponsored by Michelin. I looked at that infield grass 2020 vision sponsored by Lens Crafters. That grass was great all week sponsored by John Deere. I just looked up and saw that blue sky sponsored by Jesus. I just thought this is a great day for racing. 16 car ended up getting into it with a 46 car and we had to go to caution. I told him we needed gas. I didn't think we were going to make it. We had to pit for two tires. I mean, this is restrictor plate racing. I don't know what you're going to tell these guys. I mean, I got under Tony on four, but it was Brad's fault because Kyle came around. Oh, shut up. Harvick wasn't even on the lead lap. Joey got up into Kyle on four. That's just the way he races. Tony's probably going to be waiting for me back at the garage, but a win's a win. I mean, what are you going to do about it? We got to turn around and get ready for Martinsville. I'm just looking forward to Bristol. This one, we got Pocono coming up. Talladega's coming up. Honestly, it's a full team effort out here. I couldn't have done it without my beard, sponsored by Norelco. My wrists and joints were working great all week, sponsored by Tylenol. I'm going to enjoy this win. I'm going to go celebrate with my wife, sponsored by eHarmony. So true, so true. No embellishment at all in that, man. But listen, sponsors don't win races. It's the driver and the car, and the source of their power is their engine. And when it comes to the race of life, our source of power determines what's possible. Our source of power determines what's possible, determines what's, what's not possible. You see, life can be hard. It, it can be complicated. But, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not grow faint. So to ultimately, to put our hope in the Lord is to look to him as our source, our source of power, our source of peace, our, our source of purpose and strength. It, it, our source of power determines what's possible. So who's your source? Sponsors don't win races. They just get airtime. It's our source of power that determines what's possible. Now, those of you who've been around Heritage for a, a, at least a couple of years may recall our conversation around White Hot Why, where we're just talking about how we chase purpose in life. And it was during that time that I introduced to you a particular vehicle. It was the Bugatti Veyron. The Bugatti Veyron is a sweet-looking ride. It looks fast because it is fast. The Guinness World Records has this as the fastest street-legal production car in the world. Its price tag is about 1.5 million-ish, give or take. Its top speed is 253 miles per hour. That's fast, and that requires a lot of horsepower to get there. It's got 16 cylinders and four turbochargers. Now, to go that fast, it has some, some realities around this vehicle to run that fast. With 16 cylinders and four turbochargers, it requires a significant amount of air to function. And this vehicle, while running at top speed, will suck in in one minute the same amount of air that you or I will breathe in four days. Four days. Now, running at top speed, 253 miles an hour, one of the other realities is it'll burn through its tires in 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, the tires are shot. So 253 miles an hour, 15 minutes, 63 miles. At 63 miles, the tires are done. Now, the good news is they'll never have that problem or have to deal with that because they run out of fuel three minutes before that. <laughs> Twelve minutes. Now, if you're into cars and you would call yourself a gearhead, you're all excited and geeked out about all this. and Like, this is awesome. But if you're not a car person, you're not. <laughs> and that's okay. But what the Bugatti Veyron does for us, it reminds us of an important truth. Busy isn't better. Busy is faster. Faster is an issue of speed, and speed adds heat. 
Speed adds heat. Anytime we go faster, things get hotter. Every fall season, you and I pick up speed, which means intensity increases and heat increases. Busy doesn't mean better. Busy means faster. It's increased intensity. Therefore, faster means we will live with more heat. We have all seen a car with its hood up and steam coming out. Maybe we've had our car do that. The engines function as they burn fuel, they drive pistons, and so the fire of igniting the fuel and the pistons charging inside there and the friction adds heat. That's why there's a radiator, and the radiator cools the heat so that it doesn't overheat. But the more speed we add into the engine, the heat increases, and without, without a radiator in the space, it actually overheats. So adding speed adds more heat, which means for life, you and I need to know how to incorporate cooling systems in our lives to avoid blowing out. The 16 cylinders and four turbochargers of the Bugatti Veyron provide 1,001 horsepower. That's a lot. It allows them to hit the speed that they hit. But unlike standard cars, in standard cars, every car has one radiator. That's not the case for the Bugatti. The Bugatti doesn't have one radiator, it has 10. 10 radiators to dissipate heat. 10 radiators to navigate the complexity of the speed that it goes. See, everything changes at speed. Exposure changes, wear and tear changes. Everything changes at speed. In NASCAR, they can average 200 miles an hour in a race. When I was a state trooper, I was involved in an incident where I was going 135 miles an hour down the interstate in a Ford Crown Victoria. I'm hitting top speed at that point, and the front end's shimming. It wasn't fun. Everything changes its speed on a racetrack, in a chase, and in life. And here's what God says about this reality. This is again in Isaiah, but it's back in chapter 30. This is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says, in repentance and rest, is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. And so you redlined, overheated, and blew out. In repentance and rest and quietness and trust, he moves. In him is our cooling system. In quietness, in trust, in rest, in stillness, we find our cooling system. The Bugatti Veyron, and, and any other car for that matter, reminds us that we need cooling systems in our life or we burn out. We need to know how to deal with speed and pressure and the intensity of actually living a meaningful life. If we don't know that, the heat rises and we can't make the most of every lap at work, at home, and in our relationships. Without that, tempers rise. We get up with a short temper, and we lose patience, and we say words we regret, and we take actions we regret. We have seen it, we have experienced it, we have even done it. But the good news is our source of power determines what's possible. And when God is our source of power, then the, then the mismanagement of previous laps, the redlining before, crashing into the wall in other moments can all be redeemed. And he can position us to live forward with the right source of power and the right cooling systems. The stuff that we messed up before, he can, he can extend grace. He can, he can work good out of it if we will let him as our source of power and source of cooling. For some of us, we may have issues of unforgiveness toward people or even toward God. We have stress, we have worry, we have burden, and all of that adds heat to life. And without the proper cooling system, it just gets hotter. 
But the ability to have God as the source of power and to be the source of our cooling systems requires relationship with him through Jesus. There is no way to get to God except Jesus. By his life and death and resurrection, Jesus has made a way for us to to plug into and connect to God as our source of power and our source of cooling. If you've never taken that step in the journey in your relationship with God, I encourage you to consider doing it today. At the top of the third page of the note guide are some simple instructions and an example prayer where you can actually identify God as your source of power and plug into him even as your cooling system as well. But it requires engaging through Jesus. That's the only way it happens. You can do that right now, right where you're at. For some of you, you made this decision before, but somewhere along the way, because of some of the complexity, you may be disengaged from God as a source of power. Maybe you developed some self-dependence and you started to try to manage each lap and the heat all on your own. And this is really more an opportunity to recalibrate and say, I'm sorry, God. I want you to be my source of power. You determine what's possible. It's an opportunity to lean in and, and let him redefine what has been. Take the stress and the worry and the burdens of life because it is in repentance and rest we find salvation. In quietness and trust is our strength. In the Old Testament, God uh, spent time with uh, people in the temple. He, he manifested himself specifically in the temple space. And, and there were rituals and, and rhythms around that, really, that kind of functioned as cooling systems or radiators, so to speak. There were offerings and feasts. There was time of remembrance and time of celebration. And the priests were tasked with maintaining the fire on the altar, making sure it would never go out. Here are the instructions that were given in Leviticus 6. The fire on the altar must be kept burning. It must not go out. Every morning, the priest is to add firewood and arrange the burnt offering on the fire and burn the fat of the fellowship offerings on it. The fire must be kept burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. These words connect us right back to Paul's words about never never lacking in zeal or losing our spiritual fervor. It's the call to be passionate and, and, and committed and all in to what God calls us, not to let the fire go out. The, the instructions of this daily, weekly, monthly task were incredibly important for the people of God to make every lap count, to be first to the line. And they had to regularly get under the hood to position themselves with the passion and the zeal and the fervor to stay there. It was the priest's job to manage the fire on the altar for the corporate body. But here's the deal. Even back then was personal responsibility in the individual. And you and I have a personal responsibility to make sure we keep that fire lit. We don't lose our spiritual fervor or lack zeal. That we stay passionate. We stay committed. That we look at him as our source of power while still maintaining the cooling systems around us so we can stand in the heat of it all. And if you have been in a season where you have eased up, you have let off, maybe you've disengaged and unplugged from God as source of power and you've looked somewhere else, if that's been you, or maybe, maybe you've been driving so hard so fast in life, you're redlining and you don't have the cooling systems and you're about to burn out. If any of that connects to you, today is the day to rectify that. Today is a day to incorporate new rhythms for you and your family. To understand the combination of accelerating and braking. Accelerating to win, but braking to stay in the race. Let's jump to so what. Now, so what is a question we regularly ask ourselves here, not because we're trying to be snarky or sarcastic. It's, it's to make sure our thinking leads to practice. 
that our conversation leads to an application in how we live. And it's not just a, a headspace conversation, but a, an actual lifestyle reality. And if we're looking at what God has already said about in repentance and rest is your salvation, in quietness and trust is your strength, he's talking about a reality that we have to understand. He's acknowledging an important reality that intimacy, intimacy is built at the speed of a walk, not a race. Intimacy is built at the speed of a walk, not a race. That's true for you and your spouse. That's true for you and your kids. It's true for you and your grandkids. It's true in our human relationships. Intimacy is built in slower engagement, but it is also true and even all the more important when it comes to relationship with God. Intimacy with him is built at the speed of a walk, not a race. He won't build that deep, intimate relationship with you on a run, on a race. He wants to do it on a walk. It's only when we slow down. It's why he says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. It's in quietness and trust. Intimacy is built at the speed of a walk, not a race. Yet many of us are running so fast through life, we're redlining, we can't develop, we can't develop the intimacy we need to survive, let alone thrive. Yet when it comes to the things of God, when it comes to bumping into worry and rush, they're out of place in our relationship with God. There's always time for Him. And we need to know how to live in a way where we have quiet time and stillness with him. No matter how fast, how noisy, or how complex our time in this world may be. In fact, the more, the more noisy, the more complex, the faster it is, the more important, the more important it is for us to slow down and connect in intimacy with him. For me, one of those things is engaging in my prayer closet. That's one of my radiators in life. If I don't regularly engage in that space where I sit in stillness with him, I sit in quiet and trust, then the daily rhythm of life will overtake me. I can't hang. That's one of my radiators. I have to slow down to build the intimacy in my life, let him build that intimacy in my life so that I can be who I'm supposed to be as a leader and as a husband, as a father. I have to slow down and create space to that, for that to happen so that I can be who I'm supposed to be and keep him as my source of power. That's one of my radiators. I wonder what are your radiators? And what I mean by that, to be really clear, what do you do to create cooling spaces in the heat of the race? Make sure you don't overheat in life. How do you add radiators? These things can often be just small things that we may overlook, think they're routine, we don't think a lot about them, but they can actually be very significant in determining the success. They're things that relieve pressure. They're, they're things that dissipate heat. They channel criticism. They filter forces. They filter the 300-pound lineman pushing against you for three or four hours in the race. What are your radiators? What are your cooling systems? When and where do you find quietness and trust and repentance and rest? If you if you can't find those spaces or you don't know where to do that, that means you don't know what your radiators are and it is only a matter of time before the speed and pressure of life leads to a redlining and a blowout. What are your radiators? Many people actually only have one spiritual radiator. It's gathering on a weekend in a space like this to worship and be with the church. It's a beautiful radiator. It's an essential radiator. It's a radiator we're supposed to have but for many people, they're actually running the race of life at a speed that requires 10 radiators, but only are navigating it with one. 
What other radiators do we need to add? Prayer time. Devotion. Small group. There's tons of spiritual disciplines. And you actually, you need to understand you to know what radiators you need. You're, you're uniquely you. You need to ask, how do I perform? How, how do I create space to be still before the Lord? You have unique personal wiring. You have a personality that is specifically you. You're in an age and stage of life that is not, not the same as everybody else around you. You even have natural ways you connect with God more easily. I want to encourage you to take time this week in quiet and stillness before him to understand how you can build walking space into your life. How you can add the, the radiators that you need. For some of you, it may be simply just getting up earlier this week so that you can spend time in prayer before your day starts. Or stay up later before going to bed to spend time with God before you go off to sleep. For some, it may be just eating faster at your lunch break so that you can have a time of, of physical food and then you can have a time of spiritual food. What do you need to do to add radiators into your life? For some, maybe it's before you pick up the, re the remote for your, for your video game that you just pause and you talk to God for a bit first. Or set a timer in the game so that you finish and then have that extra time to spend with God rather than getting lost for hours in that space. It's just about being intentional, adding the right radiators to dissipate the heat so you don't burn out. There are a number of ideas that, that are available even for your family as a whole. We are committed through this series of identifying family connection ideas on the back of your note guide. These are ways to add radiators, to build in space to connect, to make sure God is the source of power in our life. I encourage you with your kids or grandkids to engage in this. Even download the app that's available to, to take it even further. It's, it's using the morning time and drive time and dinner time and bedtime. You can turn off the radio in the car and actually just create space to talk with one another. Here, here's a crazy idea. Create no screen time space in your house. No phone, no, no iPad, no computer, no TV. Huh? Huh? Try to implement that. You're going to get pushback on that. You're going to be some 300-pound pushing back on that no screen time stuff. But it's a space where we actually look at each other as humans and we interact with one another. And, and, and there, that's a cooling space. It's a cooling system. Consider implementing that. Find the ways to implement the radiators in your life. But I got to tell you, one of the biggest cooling systems is prayer. For prayer. Even last week, we launched and opened up the first prayer space down at the former Kone property, right along the, ri the river on the levee. Man, it has been so cool to see the people of God start leaning into that, to see the church show up and write prayers and hang them in the trees. Love it. If you haven't been there, you got to go there. It's a space for us to pray on behalf of our cities. Our vision that God has for us to seek the welfare of our cities, it's big. And we need everybody within the body to engage. And prayer is a critical component of that. Because the spiritual battle around the vision, it's hot. The heat is high. The enemy is seeking to disrupt unity, trust, love, communication, you name it. He wants to stop the people of God from leaning into this. But I can't tell you, when the people of God lean into uh, being a people of prayer, man, everything begins to change. It is a spiritual cooling system, but it is also part of the source of power and victory in the rest of the battle. So I encourage you, implore you, invite you to be praying on behalf of our cities, but also praying on behalf of our church as we seek to step in obedience to what he's called us to do. Prayer is a very significant cooling system. In fact, a huge part of divine cooling system is actually being able to distinguish between spirit and flesh. It's, it's being able to be led by the spirit and not by the flesh. 
being able to know the difference. Because often, spirit and flesh can want the same thing. Spirit and flesh can want family to relate better. Spirit and flesh can want more maturity, spiritual maturity in life. The difference between the two is that the spirit does it in a rate and pace that we can sustain and maintain. The flesh doesn't. The flesh is erratic and breaking and accelerating. And you've got to know the difference. You've got to be able to discern between the two, be able to manage the speed and pressure of life in a way where we win the race. Part of being able to do that is having the right crew around us. And we're going to talk about that next week. But I want to leave you, again, with the question of what radiators do you need to add? And specifically, step back into Isaiah chapter 40 for one more reality. This is Isaiah 40, and it's starting with verse 10 and into 11. It says this, See, the sovereign Lord comes with power. Power. He's the source of power. And he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him. It's in his presence. It's in stillness. It's in that intimacy he wants to develop at the pace of a walk, not a run, in a race. And in his recompense, and his recompense accompanies him, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. You and your family are not alone in this. He wants to be your source of power if you will let him. If you will create the space to have the intimacy in a walk, to then turn around and run after the things he wants. Running is not bad, but running is not where intimacy is built. We need both, breaking and accelerating. And if we will let him, he wants to be the source of power. The choice is ours. He waits, but we need to be willing to invest in the way he calls us so that he actually can be our source of power and our source of cooling. My hope and prayer is that we will each live into that in our next step with him even today. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you that even amidst the complexity of this life, which has a high pace, high intensity, it is fast and there is heat. Lord, that you provide a way for us to have power in that, but also cooling in that. And I thank you, Lord, that even when we have disengaged in the speed and pressure, we've looked for relief elsewhere in other people or things and habits, Lord, you haven't forsaken us. You wait for us to return to be our source of power and to be the source of cooling, where we'll walk with you in a place where you'd take us deep in intimacy, but then be able to turn around and run with zeal and fervor toward the things you call us to. So, Father, I pray that you would continue to speak to each one of us about where we need to add radiators, where we need to improve our cooling systems, where we need to slow down to know intimacy with you, where, know where we need to accelerate and where we need to break so that your will is done and your kingdom comes. I pray these things, Father, in the strong and powerful name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen.